My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. Welcome to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We're excited to welcome our guest, Deb, today. Thank you for coming on, Deb. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And we're just going to dive right in. Tell us all about yourself. Well, I grew up just in a small town outside Boston, Massachusetts. I have one sister who's uh, a year and a half younger than I am. And we actually experienced what widowhood was like very early. Um, Our mom was killed in a car accident and I was eight and a half and my sister was seven. The fortunate thing for us was this little town was like a cocoon. And so we had lots of moms who kind of stepped in because our dad didn't remarry and he was only 39 when he was widowed. And so I always knew that being widowed was a possibility. Um, I graduated from my little high school, went to college, became a teacher, uh, taught for 11 years before I became an administrator and um, was very happy in my career. I didn't marry my husband until I was 36 and he had been married previously And so I have a stepson and a stepdaughter uh, who are in their 50s. How old were they when you got married? Uh, They were 21 and 23. So they were... They they were were, raised. uh, Yeah, they were raised. And um, they're just awesome people. Awesome people. And so I actually met Jim when I was teaching as an adjunct at Weber State, then college, and he had retired from the Air Force. He was a retired chief master sergeant, and he was using his GI Bill to go back to school because he wanted to be a home builder, but he wanted to be able to draw his own house plans. And Weber had a two-year architecture uh, program, and I was his math teacher in the math <laughs> 96 class, which was like pre-algebra. It was the same thing I was teaching my eighth graders. Mm-hmm. And um, I he had taken several classes from me, and I decided I needed a bay window on my home. And he said, well, I can do a bay window. And we just started dating, and we got married uh, in December of 1989. And we were blessed almost two years later to adopt our little girl, Ashley. Um, And ironically, she was born at Hill Air Force Base. Her birth grandfather was retired Air Force. And now her dad was retired Air Force. And that's her calling. And um, (laughs) she is... An Air Force wife now. Her husband's a captain in the Air Force. Oh, interesting. So we have a strong Air Force. Yeah, you do. (laughs) So, and everything was going fine. I was an administrator in the Ogden School District. I was over school lunch purchasing PR. And the last couple of years, they added transportation 
which probably hastened my retirement at 30 years. Uh, you did, because <laughs> it was stressful. <laughs> you know, school buses. Uh, yeah. 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 Much better to supervise cooks in the lunchroom. And um, so I retired at 30 years in 2006 and then went to work as an assistant principal slash business administrator at the early college high school of Weber, which is called New Ames. And so, you know, it was just our little three family. Jim was building one house at a time. Uh, We were raising our beautiful girl. And then all of a sudden, in September of 2010, Jim had an issue and which was unrelated to what turned out to be kidney cancer, but he had an MRI and it showed a cyst on his kidney, on his right kidney. And in November, they removed it and the doctor said, we got it all. And we were like, yay, because he was the healthiest person on the planet. And uh, what happened then, they found some spots on his lung. So it had metastasized. It ended up in his brain, and we lost him in December of 2011. So about 14 months. But we really didn't realize till probably September that he wasn't going to make it. Before that, you felt pretty optimistic, right? Yeah. Yeah, we felt like, you know, radiation, chemo, life's good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he handled all that pretty well. Uh, the radiation kind of damaged his esophagus, so he was on liquid diets because he felt uh, that it, it was it hurt too much uh, to eat. And so, but yeah, it was he was only 66. He would have been 67. And so there I was, 57 and a half years old. And there I, by myself, Ashley was at college and it was, even though you're prepared that the end is coming when it comes, it's, it's absolutely devastating. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was quite a, not the shock that my best friend had a year and a half earlier when her husband had gone hiking, broke his ankle. So they were waiting to do the surgery for the Mm -hmm. swelling to go down. He threw a blood clot and died in her arms. Whoa. Yeah. So there's the the two ways of... Yeah, there's lots of... Either way is shocking, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's either one is is just off. You know, it's just horrible. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and so unexpected, right? Because he's so healthy and... Yeah, I mean, this cancer thing was like, where did this come from? I hadn't even heard of people with kidney cancer. And then, of course, once you hear about it, I had a cousin with it, and our good friend from Farmington died of it. And it's like, where does this come from? And there's no signs. Oh, yeah. And did the doctor seem pretty optimistic about the outcome and that he'd be okay? Oh, and I remember meeting the doctor after the surgery, and he said, oh, You've got years. Wow. And, and it was like, sweet, we've got this. And he had a great attitude. And it was, as as it went on, it was just that the spread had, was, was not able to be contained. And mm-hmm. so, 
Yeah. And yeah. So how did Ashley handle handle it? You know, she was 20 mm-hmm. and she was at school and uh, it was hard for her. But I always think that one advantage of him building houses was that a lot of times he had her with him. And I had the coolest babysitter in Ogden. I mean, she's like one of our best friends. And she just watched my Ashley and her Ashley. So if Ashley didn't come, it wasn't a big deal. And so Ash knew every building inspector in Davis County. (laughs) And so she was with her dad a lot. And I always said that she had to get a lifetime of her dad in 20 years. And so I was always grateful that I worked. But then I also took her to Ogden with me because I couldn't get her into morning kindergarten at Monta Vista. And so our friend, who was the principal of Wasatch, said, well, why don't you bring her here for kindergarten? Well, she stayed till grade five and then went to Mount Ogden Middle School for grade six and then came back and went to Farmington. So I had her with me on the way to school, coming home from school. I could be at her school. So... You know, yeah, she great. had she had a lot of parents, you know, parenting. Mm-hmm. Plus, every lunch manager was listed as an emergency contact <laughs> if I couldn't be there. So that's great. <laughs> I had a, that community support. Had a lot of community support. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, you had already learned to be on your own because you did. You got married later in life, right? But how was that transition from being married for all those years now back to being single again? Well, you know, it was kind of crazy, but I was very blessed because the very friend that I talked about who lost her husband had not graduated from college when she married, and they immediately started having kids. And so when she was widowed, she wanted to finish her degree. So in April of 2012, she came out and moved in with me. So we were the two widows, and it really made the loneliness part, not as much because Janet was there with me and we would just, in fact, she was on a dating site and we would get our iPads and we would just laugh together. And I thought, (laughs) this is so much like when we were in college, only now we're almost 60. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So it was funny. Yeah. But I was very fortunate that I was at New Ames and I had a great support there, the other administrators. And the coolest thing to me was we were a small school. And when the kids didn't know what to say, they'd say something cool like, oh, you look nice today. And, you know, just so it was very, just a lot of support. I I was very blessed with that. Mm -hmm. That's nice. So you found that going back to work was helpful? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I went back He died on a Saturday. We buried him the next Saturday, and I went to work on Monday. And actually, on Wednesday, I wrote a grant for $20,000 that we got. Wow. (laughs) So I felt very successful. Oh, good. Help help you with your grief. (laughs) You know, it was something to do. It was a reason to get up and get going. And everybody knew that if I got teary, it was okay. And, but it was better than just being home and wondering what I was going to do next. Yeah. Yeah. 
So tell me a little bit about financially, like how did all of that go? And did you, what did you learn about your finances through all of this? Well, one thing I was prepared because I had a career and I was also blessed that I had retired. So I had a pension at the same time. The biggest surprise to me was that the Zion's account password was his. And I just always used it as the logon. Well, when he died, I couldn't log on anymore. Oh, because you reported his death to the bank, right? And then they and, shut down his login, right? They shut down his login. And it was like, you know, how do I do this? And so that was one thing that if I had to do it over again, I would have had my own login. That was just the, the, the hardest little hurdle I had to do. But there's so many things that you have to have lined up ahead of time. In fact, I always remember I was teaching personal finance at Weber, and I'd given them a little project, you know, and they had all kinds of things to pick from. And one gentleman was retired Navy, and I can't remember his name, but I remember his project because he made a notebook with every financial document in it, and he kept them updated, but he had all the papers that she would need to have signed when he died. I was very prepared. And I thought that was the best project I'd ever seen. And it was the phone numbers. Of course, this was before the internet. This was like 1990. But he had all the documents. He had a copy of his DD-214, which if you're military, is the key document. It's your discharge document. And he had done this for his wife. And I thought, that's brilliant. And so we sort of had that lined up. I knew where everything was. There weren't any surprises, although there was one surprise. (laughs) And this was hilarious. And I think it was a little tender mercy. I was at, it was the summer before, so it was the summer of 2013. And Ashley was getting married in December. And I was at a retired Ogden administrator seminar to update us because we had, there were some special benefits we got when we retired. And the business administrator said about the $10,000 life insurance policy on your spouse. And I looked at my friend and I said, I didn't know we had $10,000 on our spouse. And so I went and talked to my friend, the business administrator, and I said, I didn't get that when Jim died. And he said, well, here's how we apply for it. And so here it came, like in August of 2013, and it paid for Ashley's wedding. Oh, wow. So I said, is that just the craziest? You know, her dad keeps on giving. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. So to clarify, this was from your job you'd retired from. Right. The school district, basically. Right. And you you probably didn't think you had any benefits there, right? Since you'd retired. Yeah. I mean, I knew I had medical and dental, but I didn't realize, and I should have, that they still had 50,000 on me and 10,000 on did you know about the 50000 life insurance on yourself? You know, I did. And somehow I just sort of spaced the other. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's And that is kind of a hard thing to like keep track of, right? Is your retired benefits. Yeah. And it was, it was just something, I, it just was in that 
didn't think about Pyle. So it was kind of cool, though, because yeah. he paid for her wedding. That is really cool. So it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that is important is to know where all of the accounts that you as a couple and as you may have had when you were single, because, for example, when I was a school teacher, and this is a favorite thing that people selling annuities and life insurance, they come and they bring lunch to the faculty room, and oftentimes they're parents of your students, and you end up putting $25 a month from payroll deduction into an annuity that then you may leave that employment and that doesn't happen. And then you basically forget about it. And so you may have these accounts that have $10,000, $20,000 because they've not been touched for 40 years. And so it's good to know where all of your money and accounts are. And so As I said with that gentleman who had done the project, if you can have all of those things lined up with account numbers, it's a huge benefit, Uh, especially if your spouse may not be particularly organized or you're not organized. There could be stuff everywhere. Did you find that? Was there accounts in lots of different places? You know, just mainly mine. That yeah. And my financial advisor actually did a sweep to see if there was any other things that I had signed up for that uh, could, you know, be part of my financial picture. Uh-huh. Did you find a, a lot of accounts? Uh, you know, he didn't. I, I was actually pretty organized, but the truth was I couldn't remember if I had succumbed to the pressure of signing up all those years ago when I was a little single school teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so, Jim was in the military. He was in the military. So did you get any benefits um, from him being in the military for a surviving spouse? Well, One of the things that is really important, if you have a a spouse who has served in the military, is make sure at their funeral, you have military funeral honors, because it's like the most touching thing ever when the flag is folded and you're handed the flag and they say, as a token from a grateful nation, And I'm involved in the American Legion post here in Farmington. I'm the actually the unit president of the auxiliary. And it's such an amazing thing to be able to witness how touching it is to the family to have those military funeral honors. And they're free. Uh, Many families will pay an honorarium of $50 or $100 to the post as a thank you. But that's one of the neat things. If you're have, if yeah. the, someone's served at all, even one day, they are entitled to military funeral honors. Now, as a surviving spouse, I still had my ID. So I was entitled to use any of the base facilities, the commissary, BX, uh, the clinic, uh, VA, kinds of things. I was also still covered by TRICARE insurance. So I had my insurance and then I had TRICARE as a secondary. I married Jim after he was retired. And so in order to have done the survivor's benefits, there was a huge catch-up amount. 
And then they took a lot out of your retirement. And so we didn't sign up for the survivor's benefit part. We just elected to just invest that money. And so, and we felt good about it. And I still feel good about it. Hmm. And so, you, yeah. So then you didn't get any military pension or anything, right? No, I didn't get a pension. Yeah. But even without being on the military pension, you're still able to continue the TRICARE? Right. I still could do that until I remarried. Okay. And so, in fact, that's one thing I also collected once I retired from New Ames, I started collecting his social security because before that I made too much. And so I started collecting his social security, which made it even more attractive for me to postpone my social security. And I'll start collecting that in May when I turn 70. And so I've had the benefit of the 8% jump each year. As you waited on yours. As I waited on mine. And what age did you start taking his? I was 64 when I retired. In fact, The funnest thing was our last stomp of the year was on my birthday. And so the kids all, you know, of course, the Beatles song, When I'm 64. And Mm -hmm. so they had a big cake. And and so I always remember when I retired, I was 64. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Great. Well, I think a note for our listeners is that you could have started at 60, right? Taking that Social Security, Survivor Social Security. Right. But because you're working, you... It would have been reduced or you couldn't have gotten it. Right. It would have been where my friend who lived with me, I remember, you know, her starting at 60, collecting on her late husband's. Mm -hmm. And that was good because she had no other income. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very helpful benefit. It was a very, it was probably $1,800 a month for her at that time. Mm -hmm. So, and her rent was free. So, because I had the house anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're remarried, correct? Yes, I remarried a widower of five, just over five years ago. And so, and one of the nicest things about him, besides that he's fabulous, is that he's a CPA. And so, who better at this point in my life to have as a husband than a CPA? (laughs) Yeah, great. Great. How did you meet him? Well, we actually met online. And that's one of the funny things was I never wanted to do online dating because I didn't want, our school was so small, like 700 students. And I knew I had parents who were single, who were online dating, and I didn't want them to see me online. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of, you know, was lined up and stuff. But so near the end of my career, I got brave. And, uh, I did an online profile, and he actually lived at, his street address was 931, and my street address was 931, and if you put it on Google Maps, we are 931 yards apart as the crow flies, but he lived in actually different town because, you know, we're across 89 from each other, but we met online, so... Oh, interesting. So close. And yeah, it took being online to meet. And we had lots of common friends, you know, who were like, oh, yeah, you two should be together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I was widowed five and a half years when we met. Mm-hmm. So, and then he'd been widowed as well. He was widowed as well. Um, and he'd been widowed a couple months. So, mm-hmm. and in what we say is, um, women grieve and men replace. And he was the only one not looking for a nurse or a purse. What does that mean? Okay, so 
as guys get older, they're looking for somebody to take care of them, or they haven't done well financially, and so they're looking for oh. some, <laughs> for someone who yeah. has resources. Mm-hmm. Did you find that a lot when you were dating online, or? Well, uh, I was lined up once with somebody who was a brother of a neighbor, um, and just as he was bringing me home, he mentioned that he was going through bankruptcy. And so I made sure his number was in my phone so that when he called, I'd know to not answer it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, what? No. Yeah. Well, and you've established yourself so well, right? It's difficult to get in that kind of situation. Well, and I'd been single so long that I knew how to be single. Mm -hmm. And so I I wasn't, yeah, I'm, I'm not a rescuer. Yeah. Yeah. So with your with your new husband now, do you did, have you joined finances? Did you do a prenup? Do you do anything like that? Oh, you absolutely do a prenup. And, and why did you decide to do one? Because it's um, different for everybody. Um, well, I was advised to uh, at a conference I went to, but it's it's actually just a really smart thing to do because he has assets, I have assets, he has children, I have my children. And so, you know, we... So you've combined some some of your finances, right, right? Right, And it's great. It works great. You know, we started out with a budget and we just, it's it's been a good thing. And if we need more, we both put more in and... It's it's really worked well. So you have your separate accounts, and then you have some joint accounts, and you have some joint right. expenses, but then you also have your separate things you do, right? Right, right. Yeah. And so you set up a prenup, and then you also made sure you each have your own trust, right? Right, right. And to make sure your own assets go to your own kids. Is that how it's set up? Right. Although he does have a son who I'm absolutely wild about that's in my will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> So uh, we always joke that that he's in the will. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Do you have any other comment, like pointers or things that you learned with combining finances? So you know, especially after you've both had your careers. You know, um, I'm on a Facebook page of widow widowers, and it's so interesting how some people just keep things completely separate, and I just felt like. And some people don't take the new name. And I just felt like if I was going to be all in, I wanted some things that were definitely ours. Important things that I really appreciate about him being a CPA, and I I wish I had gone to him years ago. Um, (laughs) I went to one in Kaysville, and he missed the step up in basis in my house. So talk about that. Tell our listeners about that. Well... It's important to get somebody, especially that first year, because Jim had always done our taxes. So I really didn't know how to do them. You know, I, I, as stuff came in, I put it in the file, and then he would do our taxes. And so that first year, I went to a CPA, um, but it was when Lynn actually looked at my things, he said, you never got a step up in basis on your home, which would have, you know, for if I, when I sell it, depending on what the inherit the uh, estate laws are at the time, could make a difference in taxes. In right? taxes, yeah. and so, but he completely missed it, and that's kind of a an easy one. Yeah, and I didn't know about it. 
Um, and well, and just note for our listeners, we did a podcast episode about selling your house. So people can go back if they have questions about what the step up is in basis and why it's right. important. We have a separate episode people can go listen to. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's... It'll save you thousands of dollars in taxes to have that. Right. So was Lynn able to go back and get it for you, the step up? No, but we're thinking that unless the estate tax changes... You'll be okay. We'll be okay. Yeah. And so... Congress lowers the estate tax limits. Then you... Then you're... And who knows what they're going to do, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. You know, one of the things about being widowed is that... I remember being at Smith's and I don't know, it was three or four months out and it's still, it's still awful. You know, it's still awful. And I remember being in the produce section and thinking all of these people are just going about their life and they're seeing what the price of lettuce is and how much are bananas, you know, and, and I'm still you know, dealing with this this huge loss because it isn't just the loss of your spouse. I mean, when you have friends that are that you did things with as couples, you're not part of a couple anymore. And I remember being in young women's and my the other teacher was teaching, and it was about a month after Jim had passed away. And so it was January. And we were setting goals with the kids. And we passed out the cards and said, where do you want to be in five years? And I remember thinking, I don't know where I'm going to be in five weeks. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm still figuring all this out. So that that brain fog is a real thing. And so they always say, don't make any decisions big decisions in the first year. And so, in fact, I remember asking me when I was going to sell the house and I thought, you don't get it. I'm not selling this house. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Because you still haven't sold the house, right? You still live there? Yeah. I still live in in that house. And my husband loves the house. And so, but it was like, don't say dumb things to people like that. Mm. You know? And don't say, I've been through a divorce. I understand because it's different. Yeah, very different. It's very different. And even different widow experiences are oh, different. Even every widow's story is different. And but 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 we all suffer from that loss of the shared dreams that we had, you know, the traditions that you had. Um the relationship with the in-laws, of course we were older, so you know, we didn't have any parents in law around. Um but just the, I've been fortunate that my two stepchildren have been very close to me and That's great. that that hasn't changed. And so um, that has been a great blessing. In fact, my late husband's first wife is like a sister to me. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is to stay out of debt because the the thing I see with people who are widowed is their income unless the guy didn't make a lot of money and now they have kids and they're going to get the social security for the kids, which could exceed what he made, is the whole financial thing can be devastating. So you need to keep your skills up and just stay current so that if you have to become the breadwinner, you're not out there, you know, 
looking for some job that's going to have awful hours and and pay that's going to not be good. Mm-hmm. And so, but the staying out of debt um, and and pre planning. Uh, Jim and I had a joke, and this was years before he got sick, was that if one of us died, that we weren't going to remarry someone that we're going to end up paying for their grandkids' braces. You oh. know, with, and, and he always said, you know, I don't want you to marry somebody who's going to tell you what to do with our money. You know, if you want to take Ashley on a trip with our money, go do that, right? Go do it. Yeah. Go do it. And so... Um, I think in preparation, having a financial advisor you trust um, and put your assets in a trust. And if you do remarry, have a prenup. And because you just don't know what's going to happen. And there are people out there who are gold diggers. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a scary thing. And that your children wouldn't get the money that you had worked so hard all your life for for them because they came in, didn't have anything, and now they're going to inherit it. Yeah. And even if someone's not a gold digger, right? It's just better to have all the legal stuff in order so there's no right. drama and there's no confusion, right? Right, right. And to have um, specific bequests. So if there are things that should go to certain children spell that out i mean we were fortunate that we just had ashley as far as and and there were things that i gave our stepchildren um, you know my stepchildren but to have if there are pieces of furniture or jewelry or tools that people know who's going to get those Mm -hmm. did did you and jim have a trust and a will done before he passed yeah we had a will and in fact we didn't have one until we got Ashley. And the most important thing about a will when you have a child is guardianship. And so we had that and we had just done a trust while he was sick. And so um, so that was good. So everything was in the trust. And the other thing is I sold his truck like three weeks after he passed to my best friends for her husband and because I never drove it. And I didn't need it. And the nice thing was, it was our names were or, so I could sell it. Yeah. So on the title, it said or. Or. That's important. And that's really important because it was, in fact, it was up for registration and it was like, and I really didn't want people coming and test driving a truck and, you know, not fun. Yeah. Not fun. Um, But yeah, the will is very important to have. Um, Was there anything specifically when he passed that went directly to your stepchildren? Yes, there were some life insurance policies that had specifically had them as their... their, And you had talked about that and planned it that way? Absolutely. It wasn't just that he... You know, had married you and never changed the beneficiaries. No, no. It was very, very well thought out. No, it was very well thought That's out. That's good. Yep. No, that was all. And we have a great insurance agent in Bountiful that we've had for years that we love. And so made sure all the beneficiaries were set up correctly. She took care of everything. Um, but another thing is to make sure you know what your spouse's wishes are. Because, I mean, Jim was buried, but some people 
wish to be cremated. Um, some people, you know, just have different things about what the funeral will look like. And I remember one of the things when I was in Ogden, I had some lunch ladies and, you know, they didn't make a pile of money and their paychecks had liens on them oh, wow. to cover funerals. And I think one of the important things <clears throat> was to say, how much funeral can you afford? Because I remember being at the mortuary and they're showing me the cement vaults and I could have his name on it. And I thought, you know, once he's buried, he's not going to be dug up. And so I called Neil, who was our uh, cemetery sexton in Farmington, dear friend. And I said, Neil, what do I do? And he said, if it was my wife, I'd go with the cheapest one because it's cement. Mm. But the difference between that and the expensive one was $1,000. Yeah. And you're in the middle of grief right now when you have to make these decisions. And you have to make these decisions. So as much pre-planning as you can do. Um, and I was blessed that I had my, my only sister with me through the preparations. And so... Was she a big help? Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. You know... As you look at the caskets, as you um, decide what the program is going to look like, you know, if you you have to have somebody who's close enough that 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 they're sad too, but that they can still think, because you can't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This intense the planning a funeral while you're going through the grief process. Can we go back to, you mentioned these ladies had liens against their paychecks. Yes. They had a family member die then. <clears throat> they did. Couldn't afford to pay for the funeral. So they they signed up for it, had the funeral, and then when the t time came to pay the bill, they could only pay part of it. So their wages were garnished. Oh, wow. Which it just makes... It's like salt in the wound. Yeah. You know, and because, you know, everybody thinks, well, you have to make this look like, you know, something that's... You want to honor your, your person, right? Right. And, you want to honor them, but not to the extent that it puts you into debt and affects your life for the next so many... And I had two ladies out of... I had about 120 lunch uh, personnel, and there were two of them had lanes... Uh, oh, garnishes. That's, hard. that's so hard. It was it was awful, oh. awful, awful, awful. That's why you need life insurance, right? And oh, you need some pre planning. Pre planning. Yep. Keep, yep. Keep your funeral within a budget. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard to do. Which is hard to do when you think, oh, and we want this medallion, and we want this, and you know, you're not adding it up, and so yeah, it's intense. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's anything else about some of the planning you've done, because it's interesting that you've, you know, you were married and then now you've been remarried and you have separate children and some separate assets. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you've done to make sure that your legal stuff is in order to make sure that your assets go where you would want them to go when you pass? Well, I keep my beneficiaries updated because um, I have some very special people that I want bequests to. And so I I keep that updated. Um, the, of course, if the stock market keeps going the way it is, we won't have to worry. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's going to come back. It yes. always comes back. Yeah. Give it time. <clears throat> I, th I think just the whole thing of being organized 
and knowing where everything is and being able to discuss finances without getting emotional so that it they're numbers and and making decisions based on the numbers and not on the emotion that gets tied with an event mm-hmm. and that's been I'm very left-brained so I think in numbers so that hasn't been hard for me to do that and I because I know that people who don't have a lot of uh, sense money-wise and who do things more emotionally, I think that gets them in trouble. And as I said, I think the best preparation is to stay out of debt. Mm -hmm. Stay out of debt, have some skills, know where your assets are, and know who you can count on to give you you good advice. Mm -hmm. Because, oh my gosh, there was a lady... Jim had been dead a month, and she came and spent the afternoon talking headstones with me. And we even did a little field trip to the cemetery, and it turned out that was that company that went out of business. And it was like, wow, dodged a bullet on that one. What made you decide not to go with them? You know, there was just that feeling of that it was such a rush and I already knew kind of what I wanted because I had, I love my parents' headstone in Massachusetts. So I basically took a picture of it and um, took it to the monument company. And this is one thing, talking about headstones, don't put, as, as the surviving spouse, don't put your birthday on. Nobody needs to know that. That is another element of identity theft. Yeah. You don't need it on there. In fact, the guy at the monument place, Ashley was with me, and I said, I'm not putting my birthday on there. And because it's it's really creepy enough to have your name on there. And <laughs> yeah. uh, he said, well, you know, it's going to cost more when we put the death date on to put your birthday on. And I said, I looked at Ashley and Ashley said to him, don't worry, there'll be enough money. <laughs> but that's advice I give to people who are picking up. Don't put your birthday on there. You People don't need to know that. Yeah, yeah. And so you have a headstone that you bought and you put your name on it with Jim? Yep, yep, it's mm-hmm. over there. That's a that's a big decision. That's a Oh, it is. And, yeah. and some people do it quickly. And other people, one of my friends, she took a couple of years. And she always says, I took too long. And I said, but you, yours is perfect. And and we all knew where he was. He was our neighbor in life, and he's our neighbor in death. And so there's no rush to put a headstone up. There's, there is no rush. Just take your time and get exactly what you want. Oh, good. Because it's a nice place to go and remember him, right? And yeah. Have that memorial. And um, when they say etched in stone, it's etched in stone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, great. Is there anything else that you would share about your what you learned or your experience? You know, there's nothing that really prepares you for it. Um, even even when I knew it was the end was imminent, um, when it actually happens, it's it it just it's just gut wrenching, and 
so I've been through I've been through that twice. I've been through it with my mom, where it was sudden, and I've been through it where there was time to prepare, and and both times are they're very tough. Uh, so the lesson I've learned is that our tomorrows are not promised to us, and so you need to live every day, not necessarily like it's your last, but with gratitude for, number one, if you have your health and you have people who love you and that you love, and that the greatest way I think of getting out of grief is to just keep living your life. I I remember one of my neighbors said, uh, must have been a year and a half or two after Jim passed. And she said, and it was the nicest compliment I think I've ever received. She said, Jim would be proud of you. And so whenever somebody's widowed and I see that they're doing well, you know, they're living, I use that compliment to let them know that they've, they've been able to, to keep on living their life. Because we unfortunately had a neighbor who passed, and then five years later, her husband passed because he he just couldn't he couldn't go on, and it was tragic. And as Ashley said, you know, his wife would be so ticked that mm. because now there's a grandchild that has no grandparents. Yeah, that's sad. That's hard. Yeah, grief is very hard. It's it's a tough thing, and it's not linear. I mean, it isn't like, okay, at this point, it's very tangled, and there are triggers. And But I feel very blessed to have had two husbands that I love with all my heart. And some people don't even get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great blessing. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like thank Jim for that he did that has really helped you and made a difference in your life? You know, one thing that really helped was that he wasn't hung up on that a child that we could have together had to be ours genetically. And when it became evident that I had infertility issues. Um, he just said, well, we'll adopt. And which was really a very brave thing because he was 45. And the chance of a 17-year-old picking a 45-year-old who's older than their dad was not, you know, I didn't think we had a great chance. And we had a we got a perfect girl who has a fabulous birth mother that we have a great relationship with. She and Ashley uh, met five years ago before Ashley's husband started med school. And we had always had a relationship with her just through letters, through our adoption agency. But she is an integral part of our family. And um, she's in the will. Yeah, great. Because <laughs> we love her. We and and to me that was the greatest gift that I got from Jim was that because I didn't couldn't have a child didn't mean I couldn't be a mom. Mm-hmm. And so and and he had he just adored her with his whole heart. And 
and and so we were very blessed. We had we always called it our little three family, yeah. and because you know his other children were grown, so they were part of the family, but they weren't part of the day to day. Yeah, well, and he left us a great legacy with Ashley and who she is, and she's such a support to you. It sounds like oh, she's she's great. She's a fabulous daughter, and and her husband is uh, wonderful. In fact, ironically, he was one of my students at New Ames, oh, and so. <laughs> So I actually he was actually on the short list of kiddos from that class that I really liked. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Not the troublemaker that your daughter married. <laughs> yeah, really. That's good. Not him. Not him. <laughs> Okay. So, well, Deb, we really appreciate you sharing so much and all of your experiences. You learned a lot and you're full of wisdom. Oh my gosh. You know, it's uh experiences a interesting teacher. Yes, and it is. uh but I am I I feel very blessed that um that I had some time being widowed to figure out who I was as a single person before I remarried. And so when I remarried, it was because I was, well, I used to, this is terrible. I used to say my dating life was like that song, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am in the middle. <laughs> yeah. so, and, you know, I, it, nice people, but not somebody you wanted to spend the rest of your time with and, yeah. and until Lynn came along. And, and then it was, you know, I mean, I knew... I knew before before we were dating a month that I wanted to get married again. So that's great. Found the right one. Well, thank you for your time today. And um, we just need to say that Deb is a client of Rock House Financial and she was not paid for this interview. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we do, visit our website, rockhousefinancial.com. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Rockhouse Financial is an SEC registered investment advisor and the opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the opinions of Rockhouse Financial or any other sponsors of the podcast. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.